Awesome. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get in and we're going to jump right into what is going to be this new sermon series. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure exactly how long this thing is going to go. And I'm talking about the series. All right. Some of you are like, oh, gosh, Pastor. All right. I'm talking about the series. Okay. How many weeks are going to go on this? But uh, we're going to look at a topic here. And I'm excited about it because I love taking a look at different characters within Scripture and taking a snapshot, so to speak, of their life taking a look at what made them who they were and and what they did for the kingdom and how they were able to interact with what God's calling was and allow it to adapt into their everyday life and make a difference in all of those that they were surrounded by, okay? And so what we're going to do for the next several weeks is we're going to look at this topic called running with the giants. We're going to be looking at people like Jacob and we're going to be taking a look at Deborah and Mary. You know what Mary... you can probably guess when I'm going to talk about Mary, okay? It's a couple weeks away from now, all right? We're going to be taking a look at people like Elijah and, 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 and so on and so forth. And we're going to look at these, what is considered to be as heroes of faith in a lot of ways. Hebrews chapter 12, starting with verse 1, Scripture tells us this. Therefore, this is referring All right, what you need to understand, the word therefore has got some meaning here because it's referring to a previous writing, the chapter before, which we understand is Hebrews chapter 11, which is really topical in the sense because it really spells out heroes of faith with, or the hall of fame of faith within scripture. It talks about character to character. Uh, We understand the, the, the word of God tells us that by faith, they did some tremendous things. They did some miraculous, they, God used them in powerful ways. But then the, the, it transitions right here in Hebrews chapter, chapter 12, starting with verse one. And it says, therefore, and here we go. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, what I want you to understand here about this, it's referring now back The scriptures refer, follow me here. There's a reason for for all of this. But it's referring back to chapter 11. And what it is, those, those great clouds of witnesses is referred to as a gathering of these individuals. Now, if you ever, you've watched a marathon. I don't don't know that many of us have uh, participated in a marathon, except for uh, our puddle jumpers leader there uh, and and, and Miss Carol. But if you ever watched a marathon or something like that, you see a great crowd as these individuals are running, right? These participants are running a great crowd that is on either side of them. And what are they doing? They're not booing them on. And typically they don't have a favorite, but what are they doing? They are encouraging each participant. They're being a a, a sounding board for them. They're being someone who is is encouraging them. And now understand this, that these, in this scripture, in this reference, these great clouds of witnesses, or this great cloud of witnesses, which is what we're calling as the hall of fame of faith, those spoken of in Hebrews chapter 11. Follow me here, there's a reason, all right? And, and who they are and when, why they are assembled as a great cloud of witnesses is simply because they have not yet obtained what was promised for them, which was a restoration or a perfection. You say, well, I don't understand that. Well, just follow me here for, for a few moments as we go through these scriptures. They had not yet obtained what the goal was, what God has promised, 
And that is simply as being um, uh, perfection uh, and restoring of all things. And so God says no one gets there to that point until all are finished. This race we call life. This journey that you and I are in. All right, so here we go. Let's go back to the scripture. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, witnessing, let us throw off everything. Somebody say everything. Everything. Somebody look at the person beside you and say everything. everything. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. In other words, we need to see how they did it, how they responded and reacted to situations, to problems, to difficulties. And we need to win like they won. So we need to understand, we need to throw off all of everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And I love this. And let us run the, with what? Perseverance, the race marked out for you, for us, for me. We need to be encouraged of these great men, these great women that we read throughout scriptures so that it can enable you and I within this spiritual journey that we are all in together. Have you ever been to a sporting event, right? Where people are sitting there and they're cheering and they're pumping up the participants. Typically, the participants can't hear any one single voice, but what they can see and hear is a multitude of voices. What you and I can see and hear through scripture is a multitude of men and women who were struck with the adversity and problems and difficulties that you yourselves are also facing right now. But the difference between them and us is they have already won. And so we can take encouragement and example from these individuals through scripture and learn a great deal from them. Their author, John Maxwell, he actually wrote a book called Running With the Giants, and he addressed this particular passage of scripture. And he says, if one of those greats were able to come and to be on the field with you, in other words, take one lap of your life race with you, what would they tell you? What would be one thing that they would point out to you and all of their findings? And that's what we're aiming to take a look at and to solve within this series. Pointing out what could help you in your spiritual journey in order for you to look at these spiritual giants within scripture and go, what can I learn from them? And what are those golden nuggets that I can take, those examples that I can take from their life and apply it to my life? Two benefits I think we get from this, taking a look at this. One, simply that we are going to get really encouraged. But secondly, and this is the one that really I'm even more excited about, is that we are going to learn what the Bible says scripturally. Pulling out things that we may have never seen before, might have overlooked or simply taken for granted so that we can be encouraged and learned in scripture. Today, we're going to pull out the character of Isaiah. Isaiah was an Old Testament prophet. He was about 800 years prior or before, to, before Christ. He, was, uh, he saw the crucifixion of Christ. 
He has the largest book of the prophets within scripture, 66 in total. Now, if you want to read about his historical life and how he really managed day-to-day life, you can see a, a snapshot of that in 2 Kings chapters 15 through 20, right in that area. And you can see how he interacted within his own life. But what I want to point out is that the actual prophecies or in the prophetic sections of the Old Testament, we see clearly Jesus in every aspect of it. Now, what I want you to understand is that the Gospel of John in the New Testament says that Isaiah was, saw the glory of the Lord. In other words, what did he see? He saw Jesus. That's why he is the only prophet who shows in detail within the scriptures the crucifixion of Christ. Now, what's interesting about a prophet is not only did they teach, they helped people see. They were able to give uh, an object, uh, a vision, um, something tangible, so to speak, of what God was trying to communicate. And in fact, they were often called this, a seer. So what God would do is he would present his message, and if the people weren't getting it, he would then use a prophet to be able to show them what God was trying to bring forth. Now, that's the benefit that we can take a look at and studying Isaiah. And the whole goal and what we're looking at is that you can see your spiritual journey, hopefully, prayerfully, a whole lot clearer today. So we're gonna take a look at one verse that I feel summarizes Isaiah to it completely. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. It says this, whether you turn to the right or to the left, regardless, in other words, if you're taking the great road, the wrong road, if you're taking the bad road or the right road, regardless of the road that you're taking, right? Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you. What is that voice? That voice is simply this, God will speak to you. So the prophet's saying whether, whether you're doing the right things or the wrong things, as you're going through this life journey, you're gonna hear a voice behind you and it's speaking to you and it's saying this, what? This is the way walk in it. Let me stop right there for a second and just let that sink in for some of you. Some of you have been toying, some of you have been flip-flopping, some of you have been questioning. Listen to the voice. God's voice will never steer you, it will never lead you, never pull you in the wrong direction or leave you out to dry. He says, go this way and walk in it. Now, you could say this, pastor, I've, I've never heard that, right? Well, my hope today is that while you are here, maybe you haven't heard it before, but I wanna help and see how you can hear it today. The truth is a lot of us, we are living our life, your life. And if you were to characterize it, you would say this, it's all very confusing right now. I'm a little lost, to be honest. I'm a little unsure of some stuff. Who's got some stuff? Come on now. Who's got some stuff and you need God to just get in the middle of it and just ruin your stuff? Mm. Thank you for being honest. Sometimes you're not always honest with me. No, I'm just kidding. If you remember last week, man, we were talking about the, the Friday, the Saturday, the Sunday. 
And we talked about what each one characterized or what they were defined as. And we learned that the Friday was simply what? The day of pain. But the day of pain led into a period of time. And that period of time, if you recall, was confusion. Asking what? A lot of why questions. A place where we find ourselves at times and we, getting, we, we become lost often in our why questions. I think Isaiah basically answers uh, some of that. And, and, and for when you are trying to make sense of everything, here's what I think Isaiah would say to us, and that is an encounter with God. Now, my home church, you should know where I'm about to go with this. An encounter with God does what? Changes everything. I think Isaiah would look at us today and say, an encounter with God in your life, your life, would change the way you look at life, would change your relationships, would change your decision-making, would change your thought process, and more importantly, would change your spiritual outlook. Now, you've met a church, you've heard a message, you've had encounters with us, but many of you have not encountered this guy. I got a great story, and this isn't even in your notes, all right? I'm just going to throw this out. It hit me this morning, okay? And I was reading through, through Scripture, and I came upon Matthew chapter 8. And there's a really cool passage there, and, and it's very interesting to me because it says that Jesus was in this boat with these guys. And they were his what? Close circle. They were his inner circle. They were his group. They were his dudes, right? And so he's in the boat with these guys. This storm comes up. They're like all wigging out and, and everything. And, and so they're like, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Here's what we need you to do. We need, this isn't good. You brought us out here. What'd you bring us out? I'm kind of paraphrasing, all right? You bring us out here to kill us. You know, what's going on? And Jesus, he speaks some words. And what happens? Everything calms down. Now, what I find interesting is if you look there right after that moment when everything calms down, the disciples begin to question. They didn't go, thank you, Lord. Lord, I love you. Father, thank you. I praise you. You're amazing. Thank you, Jesus. You did what you were supposed to do. What did they do? Who is this man that even the wind and the waves and the, everything listens to him? The problem with that statement is this. You can work with Jesus, you can be around Jesus, and still not yet encounter who he truly is. Now, you know that you want this encounter. Isaiah teaches us how we can get there. Well, how, how is that? Isaiah, we understand he is a seer. He saw the crucifixion, what, approximately 800 years prior to it happening. Wouldn't it be nice for us to have that same type of clarity? I'll, I, yeah, I'll answer for you, right? Here you go, fill in your blank. Our greatest pain can be what? A catalyst for our greatest gain. God usually reserves those times that we're going through the toughest moments to speak life into us when we are hurting the most. Watch this, most people, when they're going through difficulties, they're not running to God, they're running from God. And I wanna say this 
in the deepest part of me this morning, if you are experiencing some of those hurtful, dark, thick moments within your life where you're so unsure, I want you to understand this. Don't run from God. That is the worst thing you could do. Run to God. Run to the one who's the author and the finisher of all things. Run to the one who's created. Run to the one who speaks and it happens. Run to the one who gave up his only son for your salvation. Run to the one who will offer compassion. Run to the one who will offer love. Run to the one who will offer understanding. Don't run to this world. Run to Jesus. Now, but here's what we do. We say things like, man, I, I've got to get this thing worked out before I can go to God. Tell me how that really works out for you. Because every time I've tried, I have failed. And I've tried plenty. Thinking this way is, is why you're not having the encounter that you are wanting, that you are desiring when it comes to God. Watch this, Isaiah chapter six, familiar part. I, I've spoken this many times, but I'm throwing it back up again. Isaiah six, one through four. In the year that King Uzziah died, here's what you need to understand about this man. This time that Israel is in, right? They're in a deep, dark moment. Because up to this point, King Uzziah was like the king of kings, not Jesus, but you know what I'm talking about, right? He was uplifted. He was, uh, they loved him. And, and he was the one, you know, they were, they adored him and they had their faith, their trust, man. They had everything in this guy, but he's now gone. So they're in their darkest moment. They're in disarray. They're in despair. The whole country is mourning. And this is what it says. Isaiah says, in our darkest time, I'm kind of paraphrasing there because it says in the king, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Now, you don't see the Lord when you're not running to him. You're only going to see God when what? You are running to him. The prophet here says, I saw the Lord and he was what? High and he was exalted. What does that mean? Regardless of your problems, your situations, regardless of the turmoil, the disease, the sickness, regardless of the broken, brokenness, regardless of whatever is happening, God is still seated high and he is still exalted and he is what? Still on his throne. And the scripture says, and the train of his what? Robe filled the temple. Now, above him were seraphim. That's little angels. Get, get that mental picture in your head, right? That's just, and above him were seraphim. It says each with six wings right? Two wings, what did they do? They covered their faces. Two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying around and they were calling to one another. Now, here's what I want you to see here is that regardless of where Isaiah might've been, regardless of where the people were, he is saying, God is saying, I'm still exalted. I'm still sitting high on my throne. Regardless of your life situations that you agree or, dis or disagree with, Regardless of the disarray and the, the confusion that you might be going through, God is saying, I'm still seated high. I will be exalted. And the angels began to say what? Holy, holy, holy. What does that mean right there? What is happening right there? Holy is the Father. Holy is the Son. And holy is the Holy Spirit. He's saying holy, holy, holy is what? The Lord Almighty. 
whose earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds. Now stop right there for a second. What is that? How is that defined to us? Here's how I see it. God in this moment is speaking to Isaiah. And what Isaiah began to realize and began to see in this vision that he was having was because God is still high and exalted and seated on his throne. In other words, it doesn't matter what you're going through. It's not going to knock God off his throne. He's still there regardless whether you believe or not. But what happened here is it began to rock. It began to shake the very being with inside of Isaiah. His inward man, his spirit man began to shake. Watch this. The scripture says, and, 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 and at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds, what did they do? They shook and the temple was filled with smoke. What does that say? God's glory. In your darkest times, do not run from God. Now, here we go. When we see God clearly, we see ourselves clearly. Before God does anything else, he now wants to do a work in the deepest part within your soul. This is where some of us kind of, we, we throw up our hands and we go, whatever, you know, I, I'm good. I, I, don't, I don't need to go there. Let's look at verse five. Isaiah goes, woe to me. In that moment, Isaiah realized that not only were the people hurting, but he was hurting as well. And what Isaiah saw now was where, where God's presence was in his life, very thick in this moment. The Bible says as, as like, like a cloud. It shook his innermost soul. It shook the, the spirit man with inside of him. That we now, he goes, woe is me. What did he do? Because God being near him, with him in that moment, he was being revealed of his own stuff, his own problems his own difficulties, all right? So he goes, woe to me. He says, I cry because I am ruined. Now here, here I'm, a, I'm a stickler on this, and you guys know this, and I'm a stickler on what? Scripture. Nothing replaces Scripture. Oftentimes we flip this thing when it comes into the church world. We think a church should be emotion first, then Scripture follows. I don't live that way. I don't pastor that way. I don't train my family up that way. Nothing replaces scripture. Now watch what happens here. This is why this is so important. You're gonna understand something. He's showing a moment of emotion by saying, woe is me. I'm a man ruined. I, he says what? I, I cried. The reason he can show emotion in here is because this is a man who is very sound educated and has a strong knowledge within scripture and so what happens is, is where then you are you know scripture when you know the bible and then the emotional side comes in i like to call that the holy spirit right the two together can work tremendously and cause miraculous breakthroughs to happen within our lives. You know what I found, I, and this disturbed me greatly, of Christ followers, now listen to this, 19% of church growers only allow this book 
to be a part of their everyday life. Okay, I, I literally cried over that. That's 19% of people represented within this church right now. Think about that. Let's just break it down. You know what really alarmed me was 50% of the world, or, or America, excuse me, 50% of the America believes the Bible to be true. But only 19% of churchgoers actually use it. And then we wonder why we're so wishy-washy within the church as a Christ follower, simply because you don't know the word of God. Thank you. Simply because you don't know the word of God. You're not allowing this word to be a part of your life so that you can become one of them heroes, hall of fame giants that we're talking about. You want to make better choices? Get in the word of God. All right, here we go. For I'm a man of unclean lips. <laughs> Listen to this. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, what? The Lord Almighty. Isaiah, in this moment, he was able to see his own conditions, just like you with Isaiah. You, 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 God is touching you, touching your what? Your lips, touching the deepest parts of your, of your innermost being. Many times we ask that we can't get the breakthroughs that we're looking for because we built up what? Spiritual barriers. We can't seem to get closer to God. Often that is simply because we're not allowing God to touch the deepest, darkest parts of our life. That brings us to the next step of our journey, and that is this, God removes our past so he can redeem our future. For some of us, the reason we may feel so stuck is because we're headed toward this. We're allowing our past to interfere with what our future is. Think about it. Why do you think God put your eyes in front of you? Because if he put them behind you, that would have done no good. In the natural, what does he want you to do? Look beyond your past. Start seeing the future that God has planned for you. Jesus was able to look beyond the Christ in order to see the future through his obedience for your life. The reason we struggle at looking toward our future and I love the, the, Isaiah the prophet spells it out for us, is that you have the wrong picture of God. Isaiah 6, 6 through 8 continues in. It says, Then one of the seraphim, what he flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. The altar in this moment was a place where sin was what? It, it, was, it was paid for. We know our altar is what? The cross of Jesus Christ. He says, with it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. What does that mean? In other words, it's been paid for. You need to hear that. The reason why you haven't had the encounters with God and the reason why your life still doesn't make sense to you and the reason why you're still fully confused and you're, you have not truly allowed God to separate your yesterday from what he has for your tomorrow. I love this. Watch this. Verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? In other words, what is God saying here? I see a candidate before me. Here's what I love. A few verses prior, 
Here's a man who is in a deep, dark disarray, trying to minister to a people that are even messed up more than he is. And God begins to show him vision, and he begins to realize where the mistakes and the difficulties and the things that need to change within his life. And he, and, and, and he's, he sounds scripturally. We know this. He's a prophet. God uses him to minister, to teach, to, to be his uh, sounding board, so to speak, to the people. And while he's doing that, he realizes, I'm a man ruined too, just like these guys, just like these women. I'm ruined too. And because he was able to see that, and then what we understand that what God, uh, is the angels take the coal and they place it on his lips. You know, I, I like to say this, Isaiah must have had a potty mouth. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he must have had a dirty mind and he let some knees come out that God said, well, we need to clean that up. We need to clean that up before we can do what we need to do. But even in his messed up moment, God looks and goes, but who am I going to send? God sees right there, he sees a candidate. You know what? God never forces himself on someone, but he does invite them. He says, with this, he, we understand, or, or, let me, I got myself confused. And he goes, and who will go for us? God doesn't want us to just follow him. He wants us to be with him, to be a part of him, right? And he says, this is Isaiah, and I said, here I am, send me. You want to encounter God, but maybe you have pain in your life. Don't run from God. Run to God. God wants to touch you in the deepest, darkest parts of your life. Listen, you will never experience the best that God has for you until you do something for God that can change the world. And you can be receptive and say, just like Isaiah did, here I am, send me. I'm about to wrap this up. Now watch this. Three things we're going to look at. Three final words that I think that Isaiah would give us as encouragement, right? Uh, let's, uh, the first one is this. God wants to reveal more of himself to you. I, I don't personally know how long you've been a Christian, but God wants to reveal more of himself to you. Watch this. God wants to reveal, reveal more of himself to me. Watch, Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord, Pastor Kevin. Seek the Lord, Apostle Moore. Seek the Lord, member of the church, attendee of the church. Seek the Lord. Watch this. While he may be found. Call on him while what? He is near. I love the way Jeremiah spells it out. He says in Jeremiah 29, 13, he says, you will seek me and find me. Well, he gives a condition now. When you seek me with all your heart. Some of you have been saying, I've not been feeling God. It's because you're not doing it the right. You're doing out of head knowledge, not a heart. You've got to allow your, your mind and your heart to come in tune so that your spirit man or your spirit woman with inside of you can begin to what? Seek God. He says, and you will find him. The secret to doing this is what? Go all in. The problem is God is trying to direct your spiritual journey. He's tugging at you, but you're pulling on the reins. Some of y'all, you're scared. There's nothing that God has for you that, he wouldn't, that you would not enjoy with all your heart. I'm glad I'm in a church. 
that allows me to what? Raise my hands without a condemnation. Understand this. I love all denominations that see Jesus as Savior, but I'm glad, what? To be in a church that I can lift my hands. Out of a form of worship to a God who deserves all the worship. I'm glad that I can be in the church and as the spirit gives utterance in my prayer language, I can allow the power of God to move and not feel a spirit of condemnation. I'm glad that I can be a part of a church with fellow brothers and sisters of believers who will be there and I know will be there when I'm in my times of what? Disarray, dark moments, hurtful times. Listen, church is not supposed to be something that is endured. It's supposed to be something that is to be enjoyed. Scripture says what? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Scripture says, I was glad when they said unto me, what? Let us go into the house of the Lord. I said, but you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the, 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 how I feel right now. You don't know how I felt too, several years back. <laughs> Times get tough, man. We want to run from the house of God. Why? Because we feel guilt. We feel shame. We feel lowly. Scripture says, don't run from the Lord. Run to God. Go after him within everything. If you have breath in your lungs, then a praise should come from your lips. The reason why many of you have not had an encounter with God is because simply you have not done this. You've not gone all in. Scripture says what? Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of what? Triumph. Come on now. Shout unto God with a voice of what? Triumph. When you will do this, you will find yourself to go to a whole new realm, a whole different place, because this is what God wants to do. Number two, he wants to change you. He loves you just the way you are, but too much to allow you to stay right where you are. I love this, Isaiah 1, 18 through 19, he says, come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Through your skin, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be what? White as snow. In other words, what? I want to change. There, you got some stuff. And man, a lot of you raised your hand when I said, who's got some stuff? I want to change. I want to clean some things up. He says, although they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, that is your only role. That's the only thing you have to do. You will what? Eat the good things of the land. What can God do? He can change your wants to fit with what his plan is for you. And the Bible says the only thing that you have to do is be what? Willing and obedient. Getting together, make a new, come on God, do a work within me. First Peter chapter two says, like newborn babies, this is a metaphor, right? Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. How does a baby grow? It doesn't come out and go to high school. Whew. 
kind of wish they would, you know? I'll hear that one later. But being a dad, man, you, you, got, you got these little guys or girls, all right? I have guys. And, and when they were hungry, they knew what they wanted. And they cried out for it. And if mom wasn't around, my mom was around now. If mom wasn't around, dad was around. And when that baby would cry out, what would we do? Everything in my power to make sure I can give a bottle to that person so that it can grow, become healthy, and become strong. The scripture there does a great reflection, great metaphor, how God is using that to show us you need to cry out. Some of you, you need to cry out. Some of you, it's been a long time since you've cried out. You've desired it. You've wanted it, but you lack the crying out aspect. If I'm gonna take care of mine, how much more is God gonna take care of his? So we need to what? Take the next step. It's all baby steps. It's all little stuff. Matthew chapter 10, 32 through 33 says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my what? Father in heaven. I want you to know this, number three, that God has an assignment for you. Stand with me this morning. Do you know why God wants to change you? Do you know why God wants to touch you? Do you wanna know why he wants you to be a part of this process? Because he's got a part for you to play. He has a plan for your life. Isaiah chapter 60, one through three says, arise. Do you know why you're miserable? Because you haven't got up. The world needs you because you have the answer. What does the scripture, it says arise. I know, arise when you feel like it. Arise when everything is going great. Arise when the job's perfect, the house of worship is aligned. Arise when the kids are listening. Arise when it's great with the spouse. Arise. But it also means arise when all hell's breaking loose. It also means to arise when your family's crumbling apart before your very eyes. It also means arise when you look at the bank account and it's not, and it's not going up, it's going down. Arise spiritually with inside of you when you're not feeling it, when you don't feel like getting in the word, get up off your rear end and open the word of God and arise and shine. For why? Your light has come. And the glory of the Lord, what, what happens when we do that? It rises up in you. When you stop feeling sorry for yourself and you stop trying to control everything the way you think it needs to be, the scripture says, arise. Arise, give me the worship that I desire. Arise. Arise, allow the word of God to be a part of your life. Arise. Arise, begin in prayer every day. 
through the day prayer, ending the day prayer. Arise with your family with devotionals. Arise. And what happens? And the glory of the Lord rises in you or upon you. Now, goes on to say, see, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears, appears over you. Nations will come to, to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Do you know why God wants to change you? Watch this, Ephesians chapter two, my last scripture. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. Look at the person beside you and say, you are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the, what, good things that he planned for us long ago. Here's your key. Discover your purpose. What is the purpose that God has for your life? Well, we know one, and that is what? Arise. So look, you can't discover your purpose if you haven't yet accepted Jesus Christ. Here's the gospel. He was born of a virgin. He grew up. He learned the scriptures. He began to teach the scriptures. He went through a baptism and, and showed who he was by accepting his father and the role that he had for him. He did the miraculous by teaching love, showing compassion and understanding with great sense of discipline. He did all of this only for mankind to look and reject him and to throw him on a cross, to destroy him naturally within his body. All the while he's what? Thinking of you. You are right there in the forefront of his mind. Thinking of you through the whole process. I'm doing this for Gordon. I'm doing this for Jim. I'm doing this for Beth. I'm doing this for April. Doing this for Sean. I'm doing this for you, for Barry, for Andy. You're tall, I can see you. I'm doing this for you. All of this. Doesn't matter where you are right now sinfully within your life. God still loves you. His love has never failed. And it's never going to end. It's going to continue on and on and on. And he was put onto that cross. We, we, we read the story where two guys are there and one looks at him and kind of just makes fun of him. The other is like, hey, remember me. And he goes, you will be with me forever in paradise from this moment on. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're standing here, maybe you're here today and you don't know who this Jesus Christ is as your Lord and Savior. And you want that fresh redo. You want that start over within your life. You want to begin that spiritual journey today. I want to give you that opportunity. If that's you here this morning, I want you to lift up your hand as a representation of I want Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. I see that hand. That's awesome. Thank you. I see that. I see that one and that one and that one and that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I see it. 
Here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray this prayer together with some energy, with some boldness, with some excitement. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, today I accept you as the Lord of my life. From this day forward, I live for you and you alone. Forgive me, Lord, of my sins. Cleanse me. Hold me. Guide me. Lead me. And protect me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? If you today said that prayer in your heart and you mean that, this is your first step. I want to place this in your hands and I want to pray with you specifically this morning over your life. So don't leave this place without come seeing me. Because the only way you can get this book is to come see me. And it's free. And it's an easy read. But all of that aside, we're not done. Because here's what we're going to do. I'm going to open these altars up this morning. Because some of you are experiencing some real difficulty, some real pain, and you need that encounter with God. And if you got to leave, you can leave. I'm going to end the service just like this today. If you got to leave, leave. I don't want to rush these people who want to come forward here and spend some time in prayer. However long they need the two, they get it. We'll have something planned. We'll do something. That doesn't matter. But I want people who are hurting, who are in disarray, who need God to do something specific and special in their lives. I want you to step out from where you are, and I want you to come up to the front here. I'll do my best to pray with as many people as I possibly can. If I don't get to you, I'm sorry. Don't hate me. I'll pray with you later. But I'm opening this up to you right now this morning. Come up here. Take these things. You're going to sing something, right? Take these things. Take these worries. Take these problems. Take these, this, this mess. And let's give it to God today. And let God do something who goes before me? No stands behind. God, angel armies, is always by my side. One who reigns forever, he is a friend of mine. The God of angel armies. He's always by my side Nothing formed against me will stand You hold the whole world in your hand I'm holding on to your promises You faith
continue playing as everybody prays but if you um, if you've got what you needed for today if God has blessed you you feel like you're ready to go out into the world and live for God this week you may Praise his name. 